All right, Alexander, let's uh, do a video on the big meeting between Chinese President Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin. The last reports I read is uh, that Xi Jinping has arrived at the Kremlin and the meeting is underway. What, uh, what do you expect to come out of this meeting? I think this is a very big meeting. It's going to last for three days. Xi Jinping was received with all the splendour and pomp that the Kremlin can put on at Vnukovo Airport, which is, you know, the major airport where heads of state are received. Uh, there's been articles by Putin in the People's Daily. Um, Xi Jinping himself responded with a long article in Russia Gazeta, which is the official Russian newspaper. It's been republished by Ria Novosti, which is, of course, uh, a branch of, you know, Russia's uh, news media. So these articles don't actually tell us very much about anything, but they are intended to show the extent to which the two leaders have identical views on global problems. Anyway, there's going to be a huge meeting. And, of course, most international media commentary has been discussing Ukraine and about what Xi Jinping might be up to with respect to Ukraine. I think this completely misses the point of the meeting. I think this is, obviously, they're going to talk about Ukraine and the Chinese are going to float their various peace proposals over Ukraine. I don't think they have any expectation that this is going to result in any kind of peace in Ukraine. The purpose of this meeting, and it's the first visit, foreign visit, that Xi Jinping has made since he was re-elected China's leader just a few you know, days ago. The purpose of this meeting is both to demonstrate to the world the depth and strength of the Chinese-Russian friendship and to deepen it further. And it's the last which is perhaps the most important because we're going to have a swathe of economic agreements. We're going to have agreements on energy cooperation. We're going to have agreements on technology cooperation. We're going to have agreements on finance. But above all and beyond all of that, we are now getting the first real hints that this friendship between China and Russia is now beginning to acquire a military and security dimension as well. Uh, there was a very, very interesting editorial in Global Times, which is, of course, the English-language newspaper run by the People's Daily, same newspaper that Putin published his article. Anyway, Global Times editorial, which says that this is now a... Friendship, that is not going to tolerate interference or meddling by any third parties and coercion by any third parties. By third party, read the United States. And when they talk about coercion, it's a clear hint that there's a military aspect to this relationship, which officially there has not been up to this point. So I don't think we're going to see an announcement of a full-fledged military alliance, but I think we're going to start to see this friendship going to take a whole series of further steps towards in that kind of direction. We're not there yet, but I think that's where we're heading. 
You know, there's a lot of talk from the collective West uh, media and even a statement from uh, the State Department's Kirby that uh, any agreement in and around Ukraine is not going to be accepted by the United States. And uh, the collective West is focusing on, on some sort of peace agreement being worked out or some sort of roadmap being worked out in, uh, in Moscow. And, uh, even, and Kirby, I think Kirby even said that uh, they're trying to get Xi Jinping to, to speak with uh, Zelensky after he meets with, with Putin. So they're placing all the focus of this meeting on uh, on Ukraine, but I actually think that that's exactly what Xi, Jin, Xi Jinping and Putin want the collective West to do. I think they want Kirby to come out with statements like this, where he says, uh, "If there's any type of of a roadmap to peace that's worked out between Russia and China, the U.S. won't accept it," because I I think the two leaders. Would, would like the U.S. to come out with statements saying peace is unacceptable. And then they can take those statements from the U.S. and they can pass them on to the multipolar world. And in the meantime, you have China and, uh, and Russia coming out with statements saying that together they're going to, to stand guard over international law. That's, that's a statement that Xi Jinping made. Together they're going to stand guard over international law. In, in other words... The U.S. is now the party. They're kind of flipping the, the script a bit. The U.S. Is, is the party that doesn't want any peace in Ukraine. And come to us and we'll look over the peace and security and the international uh, order of, of the rest of the world, really. So I think they're kind of they're, they're playing the U.S. here. The U.S., it seems like the Biden White House fell for it. They should have just not made any statement with regards to Ukraine. I don't know why they came out with a statement saying that any peace is unacceptable. I don't know why they feel an urge to say stuff like that. Even though I agree with you, I think Ukraine is, they're going to talk about it, but I don't think it's the its the main big agenda item. Yeah. You're completely right. You're absolutely correct in what you said. I mean, only it's, it's not difficult to work this out because, you know, if you listen to what the Russians or the Chinese are saying, the Chinese have even said as much. They said, look, We've come up, we haven't actually come up with a peace plan. We've just given some outline ideas about what we think the general, you know, contours of what might be a peace plan might be. That was all that Chinese position paper was all about. They're not setting themselves up as mediators. They say if people want this to be mediators, well, we're not going to say no. (laughs) But they've not come up with any peace proposals. They've not really suggested that they're in a position to achieve peace in Ukraine. And yet, the mere hint that there might be some kind of Chinese peace initiative provokes from this America, from the Americans, from the administration, and we're on to stress always the administration, not all Americans, the administration. There's immediate reaction. You know, we're not interested in any Chinese peace proposals, none at all. You know, this isn't the way to peace. And of course, that's exactly, it's exactly what you said. The Chinese especially the Chinese, are now able to go around the world and say to the world, look, we are not causing the conflict in Ukraine. Our friends, the Russians, are not causing conflict in Ukraine. It's all the United States. We're coming forward with ideas about how peace 
could be achieved in Ukraine. And what does the United States do? It shoots them all down. It wants, it doesn't want peace. It wants the war to be prolonged. The US says that, you know, we are, uh, 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 we are supplying weapons to the Russians. We're not supplying weapons to the Russians. It's the Americans that are supplying weapons to Ukraine. It's the Americans here who are the belligerent party. It, it's so obvious. It was such an obvious trap that it's incredible that the administration fell right into it. And I think it basically shows, firstly, how fundamentally inept the, this administration is in handling everybody except the US's own you know, core allies in Europe. With them, they can do anything they like. They can do anything they want. They can blow up pipelines, uh, uh, threaten people, do anything they like there. But, you know, with the outside world, with the world beyond, I mean, all they can do is come across sounding negative, sounding aggressive, sounding hostile, exactly what the Chinese um, baited them into doing, exactly what the Russians want them to do. And I think, again, if I was an American, I would be deeply troubled. And if I was, you know, a retired American diplomat, and I, you know, I know there's some very good ones around, most of them retired now, the good ones, I would be absolutely holding my head in my hands and would be absolutely disturbed and shocked that the United States lets itself get be manoeuvred into this position. As you correctly said, why did they have to respond at all? Why, did they say, why didn't they just choose to say nothing? The, the Chinese, as, as you correctly said, they've not come up with any real peace proposals. So there's nothing really here to respond to. Why not just keep quiet, let the Chinese say what they want, doesn't really amount to anything. You know, if... People ask, well, they say, well, you know, we'd be very interested in any Chinese ideas. But so far, in practical terms, there haven't been any. <laughs> so it, it, it demonstrates, again, the fundamental ineptitude of this administration. It's combination of entirely unnecessary belligerence and at the same time, chronic incompetence. I mean, this isn't going to play well in Asia, in Africa, in Latin America, in the Middle East, anywhere in the global south. And the Chinese must be saying to themselves, you know, we set the most elementary, basic trap for the US. Even we didn't expect they, that they would fall into it so completely. Yeah, even... Even Trump tweeted about this. He understood it. He said yeah. that China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and other nations of of a less than friendly nature are busy carving up the world as our once great United States of America sits back and watches. He posted this on Truth Social, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it's obvious. It's obvious yeah. that, that the U.S. Yeah, well, did, uh, foreign did, policy is yeah. is failing. Yeah, I mean, did, the one the one part of your statement that you said is. Even Trump has noticed it. I, I wouldn't use the expression even Trump because it's become absolutely clear to me that 
in relation to US foreign policy, Donald Trump is streets ahead in his understanding of all the others. Who else shows even the kind of basic grasp of international realities now that he does? Now, that may not be because, you know, Trump is any sort of genius or strategic genius. He may not be, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, um, you know, George Marshall or <laughs> whatever. But he does have some understanding of the world. He does understand negotiations. He does understand deals. He does understand how deals are cut. He does understand how people can be manoeuvred into awkward positions. This bunch who are in charge now have no understanding of any of that, nor, it seems... Does most of the does most of the rest of the political class? So I, I I think again, what it shows, at least to me, is why Donald Trump is seen as such a threat by the rest of the political class, because he understands things about the world which they don't. Yeah. Um, the. The Chinese foreign ministry spokesman said this about the ICC, said the ICC should adhere to an objective and impartial stance and respect the jur jurisdictional immunity that any head of state enjoys in accordance with international law. Yes, absolutely. And another have... own goal, another own goal, this time from the European Union with their ridiculous ICC arrest warrant. And this is China basically coming out and saying that uh, they support Russia. Yes. That's exactly what they're doing, and they're absolutely right. And I, you know, I discussed this. I did a whole half hour's discussion of the ICC warrant in uh, uh, a video that I did on my channel, and you can find it if you sort of track down, look for it. Um, the point is this: the the ICC has no uh, jurisdiction to issue this warrant. The um, Russia is not subject to the Rome Statute. Putin is a serving head of state, so he enjoys sovereign state immunity anyway. There have been repeated attempts by the Western powers to get the United Nations to set up a war crimes tribunal to cover the war in Ukraine, and the UN General Assembly hasn't supported that, as we know. And there were also attempts in the run-up to the latest General Assembly session to get the General Assembly to refer Russia to the ICC, which didn't happen either. In other words, a critical mass of countries weren't prepared to support it. So, the ICC has no authority, no jurisdiction to issue this warrant. Everybody knows it. It is going far beyond its own jurisdiction, its own mandate, far beyond the powers it has got under international law. It is actually breaking international law by what it does. The Russians can see it, the Chinese can see it, most of the world can see it, the EU can't see it. And again, all that it's doing by making these bizarre steps is it's working once more to Chinese advantage because the Chinese are saying, we are the guardians of international law. We believe in due process. We believe in, you know, the correct way in which legalities should be enacted. We stand for the democratization of the international system. And what does the EU do? What does Britain do? Because Britain was another major party lobbying for this 
uh, ICC warrant. But again, they play straight into China's hands. They walk straight into the trap that's been laid for them. Uh, if you think about it, it is bizarre. Here we have China, you know, I'm not... As you know, so I, I try to be fair-minded about China, as I try to be fair-minded about every country. But it, there it is, it's a one-party state. It is. And yet, around the world, it's able to say that it is the guardian of international law and the supporter and upholder of the United Nations and the international system and that it stands for democratisation of international relations, and it's gaining traction. More and more people are becoming convinced by what it says. And if you think about it, it's an astonishing situation that we are in that position. And once again, it points to the incompetence and arrogance of Western leaders that they're falling into these traps, that the Chinese are ever so skillfully laying for them. Yeah, well, the purpose of this uh, three-day summit is is to show the world that these two countries, Russia and China, are going to be the, the countries that are going to, to lead this new multipolar system. And, and, and I think we're, we're seeing the, the lines being drawn with this meeting. Yes. It's, it's Russia, China, BRICS, multipolar uh, world. And then there's the old neoliberal globalist system. Yes. And that's, exactly. and that's it. That's, to, to, to me, that's, that's the purpose of this, uh, of this summit. And, and if, uh, if there's an economic conflict, then the multipolar system is ready to handle it. If there's a military conflict, uh, the multipolar system does does not want it, but they're going to signal that they're ready to handle it. I mean, it, this is this is the break that we're seeing. This is the meeting where we're seeing this this break now, this division. It's it's done. I completely agree. Again, I'm, you know, this is an instance where we you know we're agreeing on most things. But I mean, certainly, I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's partly what the purpose of this meeting is. Now, no question, it is to affirm, not just to the Chinese people and the Russian people but to the world as a whole, that this is, if you like, the new core of the multipolar system, which is to come. Of course, it's not really multipolar. It's going to be a, a system, as you correctly say, of the Russians, the Eurasian powers versus the Western powers. But the Eurasian powers are gaining ground Every day, they're gaining ground economically because their economies are, let's face it, in much better shape than Western economies are. That's not to say they don't have problems. China has its democratic problems, its overextended uh, uh, property market. Russia has its problems too, no doubt about that. But they are nonetheless in better overall shape than the Western powers are. They have the world's biggest industrial capacity. China's industrial capacity is bigger than that of the US and Europe combined. Russia is the world's commodity, biggest commodity producer. They have extremely powerful armed forces, which are going to become more powerful still. There's a major Chinese military buildup. There's also a very big Russian military buildup 
underway as well. The US, Europe are depleting their arsenals. They can't keep up with the Russians, just the Russians, on ammunition production. There's a big article about this in the Financial Times. I discussed it also in a video I've just done. And at the same time, they're telling the world, the non-aligned world, the global south, look, we're becoming more powerful. The other side, they're the setting sun. We are the rising sun. But it isn't just that. We are on your side. <laughs> we stand for democratisation. We believe that you should be left alone to handle your own affairs. We don't interfere in your religious practices. We, are, we don't interfere in your social practices. We're conservatives on these matters, like you basically are. We don't impose sanctions, we don't engage in coercion, and we stand for international law, which is what you want as well. Now, here's an incredibly attractive package. And the West, the United States, isn't even, doesn't even know how, doesn't, doesn't have any idea at the moment how to respond. On the contrary, it's getting ever deeper into the rabbit hole of appearing to reject all of these things, even though it ought to be obvious by now that most of the global south, in other words, most of the countries of the world, don't agree with it. No, it's simple. The United States is bogged down in Ukraine. Yeah. It's, the United it, States it, is bogged down, down in, in Ukraine. Ukraine, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and, you're, you're, start, and, and, you're starting to see even some some articles which on in the Western media on the margins admitting this. Carry on. But we said it first. We said oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, actually, I correct. It's not I, I'm not going to say out in Ukraine. Well, you said it first, but it was said well, first it's not on Russia this channel. On this channel, exactly it, true. This channel, exactly it's not true. Russia that's bogged out in Ukraine. No. It's the United States that's bogged out in Ukraine. Yes. And yes. let's not also forget that after this meeting in in uh, Moscow. Xi Jinping goes back to China. And who's he going to meet with for five days? The president of Brazil. Yes. At the same time that this meeting is going on, uh, there's also a conference in Russia with uh, the African nations. I, I believe yes. the conference is called uh, Russia, Africa, a multipolar order or something like yes. that. I mean, yes. that's the title of this conference, yes. Russia, Africa, a multipolar world order. Yeah. And uh and Saudi Arabia is also signaling uh, yeah. today. They they said that they're going to open uh, a consulate. They're going to reopen their consulate in Syria, and they also invited the Iranian the Iranian president, I believe, That's for right. a state visit. That's I right. mean, something like that. That's right. But I mean, King, all King of these Salman things are going invited. on, and the U.S. Yeah. and the U.S. is stuck giving money. Who's Zelensky? I mean, I guess, it's, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, you know, you know, the, the Eurasians, the, the Chinese especially. I mean, the Russians, of course, it's different for them because, I mean, they're emotionally engaged as well. But, you know, notice that they're not letting themselves become fixated by this problem. They're still able, as you correctly say, to talk to the Chinese, talk to the Africans, deal with the Syrians, have meetings with uh, uh, Iran, do deals with Iran. I mean, they've extended the... I mean, the mere... The mere card, payment card, has now been extended to Cuba. Yesterday we got confirmation it's going to be accepted in Iran as well. Yeah, all everything is integrating, everything is being tied up. The Russians are not getting obsessed by this. 
The Chinese, of course, they're a whole step removed from it. The Chinese ultimately, as we've said many times, are the US's long-term adversary. And they are looking at this and they must be rubbing their hands and they must be saying to themselves, well, you know, in the 2000s, the United States got itself tied up in the Middle East and we grew in power. And what is it now done? It's got itself tied up in Ukraine and we're going growing in power even more. You know, uh, uh, it, the Americans are from our point of view you know, almost the best kind of adversary because they make all their mistakes for us. <laughs> all we have to do is sit back, come up with peace plans for Ukraine, which aren't even peace plans, make statements about, you know, how we support democratization of the international system and uphold international law and watch the Americans <laughs> destroy themselves um, as they uh, tie themselves up in knots over Ukraine, as you absolutely rightly say, supporting Zelensky and, and the people, the, the, this very strange assortment of people he has around him in Kiev. I mean, one does wonder sometimes what the Chinese leaders, who are, you know, very tough-minded, practical people, what they must be saying to each other as they sit in their um, offices in Zhongnanhai in Beijing. I mean, they must be looking at this and they must be saying to themselves, well, you know, this is turning out so easy for us. But there it is. Yeah, I think the Chinese leaders are saying the same thing about the Biden White House that uh, we're saying about the Biden White House, that the people that are viewing this channel are saying about the Biden White House, that Putin and Lavrov and Zakharov are saying about the Biden White House, that Trump and his team are saying about the Biden White House. I, th yeah. I think in this instance, everyone is on Absolutely. the same page the, when, the, uh, the, when the, viewing the insanity, the insanity yeah. of the Biden White House. Even the Indian government is whispering it apparently now. I mean, I'm hearing more and more reports out of India that there's really growing, you know, exasperation and bemusement in India about the Biden White House. And of course, I mean, we're not going to start with the Saudis, and you're absolutely right. King Salman, the king of Saudi Arabia, has now issued an official invitation to President Raisi of Iran to come to Saudi Arabia. So there you go. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, and, and on the payment uh, front, Indonesia, the president of Indonesia is trying to uh, actually, no, I think they announced today that they're going to get their own payment system. They work on their yeah. own payment system to yes. ditch Visa and MasterCard. Yes, yes, which will then link up with the Russian system and the Chinese system, which is, of course, much bigger than the Russian system, the union pay. You can already, if you travel in the Far East, you'll find already many ATMs, most ATMs, nearly all ATMs except union pay. You'll find more union pay ATMs than you will find Western ones. But, you know, it's going to take another huge step forward. And again, it's from, from being the dominant players in the world trading and financial systems, the West is going to become marginalised in ways which I still think most people in the West just don't understand.
All right, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. TheDuran.locals.com. We are on Rumble and Rockfin, Odyssey, BitChute, and Telegram. And go to the Duran shop. Ten percent off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.